What is GDPR? And more importantly, how does it impact you and your company? Join internationally known data privacy, data protection expert, Jonathan Armstrong and Tom Fox, the compliance evangelist to learn more about the burgeoning world of data privacy and data protection. After listening to this episode, you'll walk away with a greater understanding of what this means for you and your organization. Life with GDPR is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Jonathan Armstrong for another episode. And today we're going to go to Northern Europe for a review of a recent uh, decision out of the Swedish Data Protection Authority. Jonathan, first of all, welcome. And what can you tell us about this new Swedish case? Well, thanks very much, Tom. Um, When I visited you in uh, Houston uh, some time ago, I was fortunate to see how much the people of Houston uh, love at least one a Swedish import, the uh, IKEA meatball, um, but perhaps they won't um, recognise this particular interaction with uh, Sweden with the same warmth. It's a, a case from the uh, Swedish Data Protection Authority who've issued a fine against a, uh, a government service, the National Government Service Centre in English, who process payroll on behalf of other organizations, mostly those organizations that are connected to uh, providing services on behalf of the Swedish government. But whilst it's a case that involves government, it's not just relevant for that. So to take a step back, many of you will remember from earlier podcasts that there is an obligation under GDPR, for those geeks among us, under Article 33, open brackets, one, close brackets, to report a data breach. And that obligation in 33.1 is for a data controller without undue delay and where feasible, not later than 72 hours after becoming aware of the data breach, to tell a data protection authority what happened. But this case is slightly different. It's sort of the the, uh, less well-developed brother of Article 33, open brackets 1, close brackets, which is Article 33, open brackets 2, close brackets. And Article 33, 2 says that a data processor who's had a breach has to notify a data controller without undue delay after becoming aware of the breach. And obviously, why 33.2 is there, it's to help data controllers notify DPAs quickly to fulfill their obligations in 33.1. And what happened here is that the uh, uh, National Government Service Centre found out that there had been a number of personal data breaches And that was due to an error in the payroll administration service that they provided to other organizations. And what they should have done would be to detect the breach and then notify data controllers, so notify their customers rapidly to fulfill their obligations under 33.2. And what happened here is that they didn't detect the breach quickly enough. And as a result, they failed to tell data controllers quickly enough. 
And as a result, the data controllers didn't tell the regulator quickly enough. And so the regulator decided that they hadn't heard about the breach quickly enough, and they blamed the data processor, not the data controllers. And they said it took them too long to notify data um, uh, controllers, and then an additional three months before the data protection authority got told. And they reminded data processors, not just this one, that data processors have to have processes in place to tell people quickly. And if they fail to do that, then data protection authorities could uh, go to them directly for recompense. Now, in this case, there was a fine. It wasn't significant, 200,000 Swedish kroner, which is about uh, $20,000 dollars, roughly. But why the case is significant, I think, is it will be consequential for that data processor. Of course, many contracts, like payroll, for example, the data uh, controller has to go through a due diligence exercise when it's outsourcing payroll. It might look to a number of providers, and a good data controller will ask questions in its tender documentation saying, have you ever suffered a data breach? What are your procedures like? So it's difficult for a data processor that's had a breach to answer those questions honestly because if they answer those questions honestly, they're going to see a real dip in work as a result, particularly if they're looking to contract with uh, public sector organizations who are often more ready to disbar people who've had compliance issues in the past. So firstly, I think data processors have a commercial reason to make sure that they reduce the number of breaches they have Breaches are still inevitable, so they've got to have a process for tracking those breaches quickly and then telling data controllers about them. And secondly, the case also tells us that in an appropriate case, DPAs will hit the data processor directly. And that's a change from the pre-GDPR approach. Mostly pre-GDPR, we concentrated only on liability for data controllers and many large data processors haven't factored in their own liability. In some cases, of course, people like payroll providers are very large corporations in their own right, and 4% of their turnover could be a substantial penalty. And it's important to remember, Tom, that this isn't a liability that you can't contract out. And if you're a data processor and you've got a, a cap on your liability in your contract at, let's say, one year's revenue, then obviously that cap doesn't apply to any regulatory fine. So even if you think, oh, my liability is only going to be $10,000 if I mix up this payroll run, your liability as a data processor is substantially bigger, a minimum of 20 million euros or 4% of turnover if the regulator finds you the maximum. So as a result, a fairly obscure case, not one that I think has made a lot of the press so far, but I think it's significant as a result. And for compliance professionals, I think it increases 
the need to do due diligence on suppliers and for people processing data on behalf of others, not just uh, payroll processors, but anybody processing uh, data, you know, travel management companies, HR companies, uh, relocation companies, they all have to make sure that they've invested in proper processes to tell their customers when they've messed up. Jonathan, we almost seem to be going down uh, an Orwellian well here, um, if if not something else, because uh, you said that uh, a data breach is inevitable. Well, if a data breach is inevitable and you as a data processor are going to be struck from a supplier list because of a data breach, uh, it seemed to be to even be worse than a catch-22, that eventually you're going to be st- struck. And um, it really doesn't matter how robust your detection system is because, by definition, your detection system failed if you're breached. And then, of course, a remediation uh, system uh, in place. But um, this the whole data protection system systems are right now of failing uh, because they're being breached and they're being breached by various bad actors across the globe. So how does the data processor begin to protect themselves or at least keep themselves commercially viable? Yeah, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? When um, you and I were at a conference about, I don't know, four years ago in Chicago, and I read a really interesting article from a guy who ran bars and nightclubs in Chicago. And he had a long-standing policy that said, I will never, ever, ever employ anybody in my bars and nightclubs who has a tattoo. And then he realized four years later that he couldn't employ anybody at all because the demographic of those who would work in his bars and nightclubs, uh, he said... He didn't. He, he couldn't find an interviewee without a tattoo, so he had to change his policy to say um, uh, anybody with a tattoo will have a tattoo that they can cover up, or at least only an inch will be visible on show. And 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 my point being, he had to lower his standards because he couldn't get anybody that wouldn't meet his earlier promulgated standard. And I think we're going to get the same with data breaches. If we're looking at certain, you know, a call center, for example, to handle calls, I think data breaches are inevitable. That's not to be defeatist about it. But I think we'll get to a stage where any large call center operation will have had reported data breaches. And for most organizations, there's a, there's a, an advantage in looking for somebody who hasn't had a data breach, as long as we're forensic in checking that they haven't had, they have had data breaches, but they haven't realized it yet. You know, I think it was at the same conference that we had uh, Jim Comey from uh, from the U.S. government at the time, saying, you know, there are two types of organization, those that have been breached and those that don't know that they've been breached. And, and I think that that is, that is definitely true. So we're going to get uh, organizations are going to have to credibly answer questions about data breaches when they're asked. And sometimes I think they're going to have to show 
that they've had a breach that was unavoidable, and these are the remedial, the, the remediatory steps uh, we took, we took to avoid it. But the essence of that is going to have to be, as I say, to get intelligence on what's happening. I'm not, I'm not saying be defeatist, recognize that you're always going to be breached. I'm saying prepare for the inevitable and make sure that you can persuade your uh, those you know your customers that you take things like uh, data protection and your gdpr obligations seriously but there will undoubtedly be people who lose business as a result of having had a data breach you know we've seen that already we'll see that in the future and we're also seeing a period of some risk aversion amongst data processors. I've heard from clients, for example, uh, uh, who use uh, Indian uh, data processors, where a couple of their um, data processing organizations have said, because of COVID and because of working from home, we cannot guarantee the security of the data that we process on your behalf. So we are closing temporarily. And, you know, we can't run this month's uh, invoices for you because we can't guarantee that we'll do that in a secure manner. So see you again in July and we're ready to run the invoices then. And almost saying to clients, you've got to insource the stuff you've outsourced whilst COVID continues. And again, I think that's because of data security and because somebody's put a proper contract in place that has made them realize their potential liability. I don't believe it's Orwellian. I believe Casca-esque would be more appropriate. (laughs) I think you might be right. Uh, We're going to link to the uh, quarterly compliance client alert in our show notes, and I look forward to seeing what we can come up with next. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Life with GDPR. We're going to link to the quarterly compliance client alert uh, that explores these topics in a little more in depth in our show notes, so check that out. Also, uh, check out uh, the quarterly website for a great number of resources around GDPR. Life with GDPR is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. During this corona health crisis, please be safe, stay safe, and stay sanitary. We look forward to visiting with you again next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.